0: I was attending Fuller, and um, we had class with well, with the others. <laughs> and the professor made us to prepare a presentation. It was on um, our class on pastoral psychology. And so all of us, this was like a long time ago, all of us well, you know, this is, this is L.A., this is Pasadena, this is beautiful, eternal, you know, spring kind of weather. And so we will wear our Bermudas and our nice, you know, teachers or shirts. And there were pastors from different groups and churches. And I was not the most casual dresser, you know, if you know what I mean. But, you know, a little more relaxed. But there was this man called Rene Molina. Rene always went like this to class. He was a great mentor. I appreciate him. I asked him to let me um, sit under his, sit with him or under him for staff meeting. I wanted to learn. He had 18 married couples working full time at the church, and then he has his office staff was well, running about 1578 small groups all over the city and the church is a few thousands. and um, I love Renee and so we'll study together and you know take classes and the day come when Renee had to present in front of the class. So he shows up like this and we all like kind of laughing and looking at him and stuff. And he goes Oh my beloved Classmates, I'm sorry that I'm dressing like this. I'm just wearing my work clothes. (laughs) So don't worry about it. When you're shy and you really fear and tremble, you just put at least a suit on so people think that you are a preacher. (laughs) And um, I just really want the Lord to speak to us. and rather than having a meeting why don't we have an encounter yeah. and we need the word of god and i don't know about you but i have been really taking a whole lot and it's okay it's okay if we get emotional and stuff that's, that's fine we're not only spirits we also have body and souls right so i like to pray And bring all of us to this moment of an encounter with the word of God. Such as we had last night. It is not important, dear God, that these people will hear me out or listen to me. They are not in here to listen to me day and I, all of us together, we need to listen to you. We must hear from you. Styles are not important. The way we are is not it. Time is crucial. And the moment is here and now, we are already here. We are already gathering. We already travel. Some of us, many miles. And we need you, Lord. We want you and you alone. Because bread is good. But it's not enough. We cannot live on bread alone. We, we must partake on your word. The one that comes out of your mouth. So tonight, let us gather around you, O oh Christ, Savior. Tonight, let us not only know, understand, study, but gather in fellowship around the person of the Holy Spirit, the forgotten God many times. Tonight, in the minutes that we have ahead of us, we ask all of us together, please, as we surrender, please, Let us partake with you. Let us be that which you take in your hand and bless only to break and then to give it. In Jesus' name, I pray and I trust. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not going to go over introductions much. I am very grateful that I'm here. It's always great to come back to Pablo Bluff. I have more memories than you would imagine. People that I love and people that have been very important in my life, and they know who they are. Very precise times. They were there for me. So I will always remember. And um, it's great to be here, and I'm just happy that my wife is here with me, and I'm happy that I have uh, uh, people that I love dearly from our church in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, Neftali was ordained here last year, at the conference, and he came back. He's already ordained. I don't know if it's disorganized. <laughs> And need some more ordinations. <laughs> no, but thank you, Maria and Eftali and Araides. And then Nahund was here last year with his wife and his precious little girl. And um, I'm glad to let you know that uh, in just a couple of weeks, we'll be opening another church in our city, and he's part of the team. These are guys are a part of the team, and he's going to be ordained. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What else do you want? And so, I, I, I really appreciate you guys coming. And um, I want you to turn to the 25th chapter of Matthew. Um, I always bring my Bible in case this electronics fail. The book never fails, let me tell you. And um, typically, I don't use the electronic li- electronics uh, anymore because I used to use uh, the ipad thing until one day quit of me in the midst of the sermon and I did okay but I said never again <laughs> I charge this thing very well <laughs> and um but i i print out i print out I like notepads and stuff like that but anyhow here we have the Bible in Matthew 25, it's a chapter where we're going to find three metaphors that Jesus uses to show what the kingdom of God is like and our participation as well in the kingdom of God. Uh, so in Matthew 25, we could very well say that we have the kingdom and the mission And I thought that I would do like part two from last year when we talk about the mission. And I'm sure you'll share my heart when it comes to the United States of America and the local church and everything we went over and how we ended at the cross last year. And it's been a wonderful year. I'm just so glad to report to you with seeing people being touched and transformed by the power of God. And by an encounter with the cross. And the recent Christ, of course. But um, the Lord plays in my heart part two about to be kingdom minded but mission oriented. And the first metaphor that I see in chapter 25 of Matthew is that wedding ritual according to the Jewish tradition. And all that preparation that took place between the groom and the brides and the virgins and um, I'll find the emphasis or that central idea that Jesus is communicating on verse 2. Five of them were foolish and the amplified version is toughless, silly, careless and five were wise far of Practical, sensible. So that's the first metaphor in there about the kingdom of God and the mission of God. The second metaphor relates to our Lord and his servants. And I believe that we will find that main thought for that second metaphor in verses 14 and verse 19. For it is just like a man who was about to take a journey and he called his servants together and entrusted them with his possessions. And then verse 19. Now after a long time. The master of those servants return. And settle accounts with them. Very interesting. Finally the third metaphor. And we read the following verse 34. Let me read with you all the way to. Well, 34, 35, and then verse 40 and such. Then the king will say to those on his right, and again you see the Lord, the king, the bride, say to those on his right, Come you, blessed of my father, your favor of God, appointed to eternal salvation. Inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited with me with help and ministering care. I was in prison and you came to me, ignoring personal danger. The king will answer and say to them, I assure you and must solemnly say to you, To the extent that you did it for one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it for me. So therefore, my friends, I believe that we can confidently say the following. Jesus is talking about three precious elements of the kingdom, his kingdom, his mission to which he has invited us to partake on both of them, the kingdom and the mission and the invitation is sorrow when we were saved by grace because of the sacrifice at the cross in order to enter his kingdom and that's why we always we should always be kingdom minded but not only that's the invitation to salvation but it's also an invitation to enter and participate with him on his mission which starts right there where we are, and he goes all the way to the end of the world. So I believe that that we can take these three things out of Matthew 25. The first metaphor is the wisdom for the Right? And go and study the virgins and the ones that were wise and the ones that were foolish. Don't leave it all to God There is something that we must do. And so the wisdom that we must have for the mission. The second, we can say, is about the resources for the mission and how to use those resources that we've been entrusted. And thirdly, it's just the mission's job description and a very special element, the compassion, the element of compassion for the mission. I'm here before you today. Because I love and I feel I have a great debt to the mission of Jesus Christ. And I believe in the local church. And I believe that God wants to use all of us. And I believe that it doesn't matter how old we are or our ethnicity, education or not, possessions, or whatever. It's just an amazing thing, the love of God, the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and how God wants to use this church that he loves. We better get with it. And if we just ended these meetings, you know, after what we heard and we partake on, partook on last night, it would have been great. And then he was out on today, and we're here. But trust me, I pray that in a few minutes that we have together now, I pray that the Holy Spirit really, really, really builds something in us to the extent that we are definitely more than a, a slogan or a title or a theme for it. A gathering kingdom legacy will become kingdom minded and mission oriented. So I pray, God, I said, God, you know, there's so much could be said. Please let me use this time wisely. I pray for acute precision. What is the Lord specifically that you want to tell us? So I've been back and forth thinking about this, writing different manuscripts. And it finally came to a two thing. And I know you're happy. (laughs) Better two than five. (laughs) Well, there's been some long hitters over here, so, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. (laughs) So here we go. Out of the two things, number one, it is his kingdom and his mission. The reason, I argue with much respect, one of the reasons that we don't see more happening and more move of the Spirit and more and salvations and things that we long to see and we want to see it, at least I want to see it. it, is an ancient prayer of mine and Mildred and I and we continue to pray that. I'm glad with everything that God is doing with y'all over there in New Orleans. I'm, really, I rejoice over that. But that's not enough for me. I need it in enough of Carolina because, brother, I preach in carry every Sunday. I love it. We went to Mexico this summer with Brother Tino and Sarita and Isaac and the whole bunch. And I went to the Taramara, uh, you know, indigenous group. I walked, my friend, for the first time in my life, cross-country, high altitude, altitude, 60-plus miles in one day. And, wow, it's appropriate. <laughs> it was great. I cried like a baby on top of that mountain. And the husband of that lady, that she didn't know her uh, how old she was. She didn't speak Spanish. She doesn't know how old is she. No, she does not know. And so how about you, sir, her husband? Thinking about 76. And how long have you been living here? Because he he used to live in caves. I've been here about 60 years. Wow. This little hut, this little cute little house. And I asked, okay, so how many people come here and visit with you? No one. You guys are the first one to come. So I I just couldn't help it but just to cry and get emotional and say, God, what a privilege. What an honor. All that is beautiful. We had a great time. The church in Aguascaliente is rocking. It's just an amazing thing after many years being, you know, back and forth, seeing what a beautiful congregation, what marvelous things But let me tell you, all that is great. But I I got on a plane and I went back to Cary, North Carolina. I'll be in the Amazon next month in a couple of weeks. But I'm going to fly out. It's been great. We've been able to plant 25 churches in the middle of the jungle, sleeping on the hammocks, eating what they hunt, loving on them people, rebuking some demons, preaching the gospel. Great. But those 25 churches, none of them I pastor. My heart, I said, when I go back to Karen, North Carolina, and the children that attend our church school, there will be salvation. My neighbors will come to the knowledge of Christ. That people will be worshipers of Jesus, disciples of Christ. And carry enough call right now. Because all those stories will get us excited. But when we, when I hit back home in my RV, you're still going to be here in Papa Bluff. And what I really want is that all of us will understand the kingdom and the mission of God because God is able. And he loves the world. And he loves every town and every city and everybody and it's about time that the gospel, we were challenged last night. Yes, I want God to remember me. And even if it's one last time, I want him to use me. And yes, I know how to read what happened in the book of Acts. And I'm also sick and tired. I'm not seeing what I know is true. I believe it's true. I can argue geographically, historically archeologically, for the scriptures. I can argue with my heart and what he's done in my life. It is true. The kingdom of God is real. But I need to see it happening in Karen of color. I need to see that happening there. And I will rejoice with what happens all over the world. And I will continue to be a missionary, but I want, want my family to be saved. I want my neighbors to be saved. And so... The one thing that keeps us from that is because we start doing our own little kingdoms. When our own little theologies, our own little degrees hanging on them walls. And I find in Matthew 25 phrases like, The kingdom of heaven shall be light. It's a metaphor. You all need to understand. And I'll try to paint a picture as best as I can. But the kingdom is the kingdom and it is mine. It's It's been given to me. I find for it is like a man. And Jesus goes on. I find phrases like when the son of man come in his glory. And I know that we sing about this stuff. And we know. The Elevation Church uh, song, we just sang that song over here, and it's beautiful, yes, but are we minded really to the bone that it is his kingdom and his mission, and I profit for whatever he wants me to profit, but I'm nothing okay, strategies are welcome in the mission. I've been praying lately, God, we've seen your grace and I've seen the power of the gospel in action. I've seen the things that you're doing and I appreciate the fact that he doesn't let me know much about the future because I will coward away. I will be scared. I will say no way. No, no, you can do that with, no with me with a Cuban descendant and immigrant living in Cary, North Carolina, Uh nah, you need a better guy than me. So I understand because he told me one day, the Spirit of God, I will not tell you more because you will shy away from the mission. So number one, strategies are welcome in the mission of the kingdom. Strategies are welcome. Ideas are welcome. They're necessary in the mission of the kingdom of God. Resources are necessary. Very much welcome. I don't know anybody that rejected resources except Moses. Other than him, I haven't heard of it. And that was a long time ago. He was the only preacher that said, hey, take away all that wealth back home. We have enough. What an honest preacher. Anyhow, resources are necessary. They're very much welcome. Guys, lights are welcome. Cameras are welcome. Music, if you have Nord keyboards, if you have that brand, Nord, very much welcome. Okay? Planning center, awesome. Uh, Apple computers, Proud of them. Pro presenter, yes. Social media team, you got to have them. Creative team, Zoom meetings or Zoom meetings. Teams meetings or any of those platforms. Education, degrees, good location, relevancy, motivation. All that are wonderful tools. But let's not despise and reject The great resources, we welcome them. But, but, I wrote it three times in blue. The danger of it is that now we take so much ownership of the mission. Because you know how many hours we have put into the planning? You know how much money we this thing costs money. And now we we out of the sun and we start owning the mission. Lords of the mission. Based on the way it should be done according to planning center. According to appropriate center. According to the new dress code I'm gonna still use the same suit that I've been using for years, but I'm making a point. I hope I don't offend anybody, but in my church, pretty much, if we were go back to the open democratic <laughs> voting, 99% will vote that I will dress, you know, with the skinny jeans and the, the different, the, the new pastoral dress code. Reason why. You need to connect with the people. You need to be relevant to the culture. I understand that. I put endless hours of studying the culture. Don't think I haven't. I've done it at Fuller. I've done it at Columbia. I've done it at San Francisco Theological. And I just finished recently doing it at Indiana Wesleyan University. Endless hours. But I tell you one thing. I don't care if it's with a suit or with a skinny jeans. Tell you what, it matters. I do it on purpose to show my folks that there could be an old man with his old suit on. By the way, I only own three of them, so they have to endure all of them for years and years. This one is a new one that I just bought for you guys. (laughs) A KG whatever store. the, The one that is very... Unexpensive. Let me tell you. Because the gospel. Is powerful. And the power. Is not. If I am relevant. To the culture. Because the culture will not save no one. But when you. Speak the words of the Lord. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And you live alive, walking with God like Enoch, and you are in the presence of God, and you can afford to say like the old man's, "Yes, the Lord lives." In which presence I invite. We welcome the tools, but I refuse to do the mission. Like if I own it, I refuse, even if I am not accepted by the church or whoever. Because I don't want to do the mission according to the tools. According to the new church growth strategy. I don't want to go to no church growth conference. According to the culture. Like if the culture was the latest thing anyways or the greatest thing. And we are so much into owning the mission that we leave the Holy Spirit out. And then God needs to bring a simple Baptist preacher. To write a little book called The Forgotten God. Because we forgot the Holy Spirit. We lose the wisdom to know that this is not our mission. I've just been invited by Christ. I've only been commissioned, commissioned to walk with him. And I am honored to be here tonight. To speak to you in the name of my Lord and my Savior. Just as a servant. Someone that probably does not look like the culture. Does not appeal like the culture. And I will not celebrate Halloween either. But I'll tell you this. I've been adopted to the family of God. And I've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus. Into his kingdom and his mission. And I'm just going to plead with you tonight. We Can we just preach the gospel? Amen. Can we just do what we learn? Go and pray. Like we mean it. Yeah. There's no watch. There's nothing. There's no meeting. There's nothing. Amen. If that requires four in the morning, well, that's what it requires. Yeah. Because I have to clock in at 730. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But pray and I know what the Holy Spirit is saying. Then let's talk about planning center. It's his kingdom, my friends. It's his mission. And I cannot do it. Now, I can produce gatherings and that, I want to talk about that a little bit too, you know. I love art. I love music. I was training music. That's but I study first since I was a little boy. And so I like art. I appreciate art so much, like paintings and all that and music and I love that. But nowadays, I found myself that I, I was seduced. We are so easily seduced not by what the world, listen, this is interesting. It's not even that I am seduced by what the world produces. Well, was a youth pastor in uh, one of the mega churches in Miami before I went to Christian Family Worship Center. So I found out that they had a little Christian disco going on. They had thousands of dollars into lighting, beautiful floor. So they did um, what do you want to call it? like like a skating ring, and they will bring artists, and they oh it's a crossover. It's just like an excuse to bring them and preach the gospel. How much travel did we get into? I mean, I inherited that. There were contracts for like months ahead. So there's nothing I was able to do about the contracts and the items that will show up with their RVs and stuff and their buses. And <laughs> the thing is, make a long story short, I told the pastor, look, yeah, I, I appreciate your little discotheque that you have going on over here. You know, it's great. You know, you have about 12 or 15,000 square feet of this thing. You have a, an awesome super in cafeteria and great staff. The music, you know, they're all good musicians and stuff, but they they, they play secular music. They play Christian music. They play whatever they want to play. But I'm the one as a youth pastor dealing with so-and-so that got pregnant, then I had to kick out a guy because he was touching inappropriately, you know, some of the young ladies of the church. Then I'm dealing with all this problem because... You make it look like it's a Christian disco, and well, you don't understand. A little disco cannot compete with what's going on in Miami. Amen. Cannot ever compete with what the world needs to, you know, is offering. You don't. You're not going to compete with this new world. You're not going to compete with the other musicians. They have more money. They they just have it going on. And what you have is a bunch of sinners over here, in this place, corrupting this place. And now our young ladies are getting pregnant at 16. And I have to fight, guys. I'm—I didn't apply for like—I'm I'm not a security guard at a club or anything. If you let me preach the gospel, I'm down for it. But this thing needs to close down. And if you need to pay thousands of dollars to your contracts, well, just so be it. But I'm not down for this. So I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. The church we have been seduced not by the world, but by the church. Because the church is calling success. And it's enticing us with all the things that we are important from the world. And then we start doing our little churches, you know. We have our YouTube channel. Everything is looking in. Everything is well done professionally. And at best, all you produce is a gathering. But there's not a holy convocation where the presence of God really rules and the mission of God happens in the kingdom of God. And so that leads us into depression and despair because my church is not growing like the other one that is doing the same. There's always somebody that has more views and more likes and a bigger crowd. And I look like that, and I'm living my own life, but I am not it. That other guy is better than me. <laughs> He's got it going on. And then we start getting despair. Things are not going the way we thought that we were going to be, and we're desperate. And there is a there is a different kind of desperate. There's a desperation that is totally different from what I'm talking about. It's one desperation that is I'm desperate for God, his persona, his presence, his mission, his plans, his adventures, his commission. Desperate, desperate for for, for for my my savior and my Lord, for a relationship with Him. Desperate for a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Desperate just to just to be. It doesn't matter if I have 500 members or 1,000 or 200. I'm just desperate for Him. Yeah. You know? And this some other kind of desperate. I'm desperate for significance and desperate for numbers and desperate for a name and desperate for recognition and desperate for money. And I, I get it. I've been poor all my life. I, I get it. Sometimes you like to just do this and feel other than your. Legs, you know. (laughs) Now, back on track. We've been seduced by that desire to strike it big. And we don't admit it because we are way too proud to do that. But we are chasing a prophecy that will put us on the map. And with much respect to all the modern prophets, if we're going to give Every part of the earth that's been prophesied to the Christians, the planet is not enough. Respectfully. Because all we do is have God for you, dominion and kingdoms and territories. If we're going to give away, and that is going to take place in one generation. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been full-time ministry for 30 years. I'm a third generation preacher. My grandfather founded like seven churches. My dad, three churches. My aunts, between the Hernandez, there's like 20 churches under under their belt. So I believe I know what I'm saying. But we're chasing that kind of stuff. You know why? Because I forgot I do that because I forgot that to begin with, this is not my church. I didn't die on the cross. Yeah. I didn't resurrect it. Although I agree with what the preacher said last night, quoting Romans eight eleven, it's the same Spirit that rose Christ from the death, yeah. That's Romans eight eleven. But I agree. Also, I must agree that this is not my church. And I need to stop treating the church like if I own it. Right. Mm-hmm. This is his church. Yes. This is his kingdom. Yes, is. This is his mission. And I don't, know about, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure the saints of proper love and the pastors that we come from different brother Herman and the others Tina and the others, all the pastors that we come from different, the ones that I know and the ones that I don't know. I know that you tremble and you shake every day because you are clear on the understanding that this is not our church. So we must go back to the kingdom of God. It's like and I have to reorient it in my mind and my thinking. Guys, we have great men and great women of God that are so talented. They have such an involvement in their community, such an insight. they're carrying the mission of the kingdom with grace. They're using technology like the way I love to use it. I would love to learn and use it they 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 have a remarkable and anointing in their lives, and they carry it you know and you know what we should do about it? Yeah, I do go to the conferences I just don't go to church growth conferences those i don't I don't spend my money on that. But I go to conferences that that challenge me to grow as a son of God, as a man of God, as a pastor, as, you know, some other conferences. And um, all I'm saying is I rejoice. I learned to rejoice because I did not do it before. Before, I wanted to have that youth group that the guy was having. Before, if I hear what I heard uh, about, you know, when the, the Bilbo's were youth pastor, I would be like, hmm, oh no, i got to do better than that. I'm going to check into that. No, 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 no. I have an advantage. I'm Cuban. I know a lot about Santeria. <laughs> Whatever happened in rejoicing with what the Lord is doing with others? Man, when I went to Mexico this summer after so many years not being in Aguas Calientes and I saw that church, I was like, oh, my God. How precious. How beautiful. What great leadership. How beautiful it is to rejoice in what God is doing through others. And learn that everyone, that he said, Dad. Level of connection with the Holy Spirit. All they're going to say is, Brother, it's not about me, it's about the Lord. It's about the Holy Spirit. I'm totally exclusively kingdom minded, mission oriented. That's all I'm doing. The rest is all God. So that is my number one, or His number one for all of us. We ought to be very aware that there are many people that have great abilities to do a good show, and people with great charisma, and they can speak. They have good music. I mean, they have a rock concert every Sunday with all the right amount of lights, every angle, everything looks super in. And uh, they know how to share stuff on social media, and they get big, and they look appealing, they, they look great, they spend money on gymnasium, stuff like that. It's all good. I'm nothing against none of it and they produce a great gathering and there's a lot of energy big masses and in the midst of all of that god glorifies himself and the gospel spoke just like paul said you know whether they're boasting or the gospels being preached and so god moves even in Those scenarios, but at the end of the day, I don't know what you're chasing. And I don't know what the facts are, but I'll tell you what my facts are. Number one, I'm not impressed a bit because I still believe that there are some other bands and some other scenarios and some other music that is a lot more impressive. (laughs) And when I lived in Los Angeles, I've been to the Oscar Theater, and let me tell you, that's more impressive that Lakewood Church, by far. And so I'm not impressed at all by none of this stuff. Have you ever checked the facts? Are the richest people on earth, the Christians? Talking about money, no. that we're rich in the spirit. No, no, no. Money in the bank. The wealth of the world does not belong to the Christian. Maybe one day, I don't know, but for the longest time, And the fastest growing religion is not Christianity. If you're going to tell me that it's successful because they have great numbers, Muslims gather a lot more. Big numbers. There's some other gatherings bigger than our gatherings. Go to any stadiums, any given Sunday in a football game. I mean, we we talk football on Sunday. (laughs) But that tells you something. There's some other musical words more important than ours. There are bigger shows and there are a whole lot bigger podcasts. The biggest podcasts in the world are not the Christian ones. But I'll tell you what they don't have. They don't have the mission of God. They're no part of the kingdom of God. All that is temporary and we must not be seduced by. it. Because that seduction and that state of mind is keeping us from seeing the so-called revival. Yeah. That at the end of the day, yes, I understand revival had connotations of geography and numbers and all that. We always had that. Read a little bit. There's always been great move of God all over the world. But I tell you what is even greater. The personal revival when you live in the presence of God every day. And you share the gospel with your friends. And they say, hey, ever since last night, I'm okay. No withdrawals. No. You made my day, my friend. Because of people like you, I live to preach the gospel. Because I believe that God can heal you and rescue you and deliver you supernaturally without methadone and without anything else. It is possible because the gospel is powerful. I appreciate you being here. It's his kingdom. And our ownership is preventing us from seeing and having a daily revival in our local churches. I just have an assignment, that's all. And you too. We have a calling. And the assignment varies. And it could be here tonight and tomorrow somewhere else. And after moving 34 times like me, i pray 15 years ago, let it be carry and carry alone. <laughs> I'll go to the rest of the world I'll drive all over the United States I'll fly anywhere you want me to but look, can I finish raising my children in <laughs> the same house I counted them 34 times I moved and sometimes internationally <laughs> my last point I said it was two points okay Once we connect with the fact that we're serving the king, that he has an assignment, then we go back to Matthew 25 and we see that he knows what we can handle and what we cannot handle. That's another thing that with sadness I see people that were given two talents trying to Do what the other people that were given five talents are doing. I am not God. Don't ask me. If I was God, I wouldn't even choose me. But it is what it is. Some people, they got it. (laughs) They were given five talents. Don't fuss about it. They gave me two. Man, I, I, I love living in the United States. I moved here in nineteen ninety-one and many, many times I think, man, only if my great if my grandparents would have been born in here. I would have the opportunity of generations. I mean I I consider myself I don't have you know money or anything, but you guys can. I think this is, you know, this is pointless. You guys don't understand because you are Americans. And you, your, your grandparents lived in here, okay? Before then, the others, they lived in here too that were born here. You never lived in Cuba. You never lived in Peru like I did. And y'all, well, hopefully none of you, but to the Americans that think that Europe is all that. I lived in Europe. I served the Lord in Europe as a missionary. Traveled all over Europe nothing like United States. <laughs> nope. Allow me to tell you. And so I always thought if I would only, if I would have been born in here, I didn't have this accent, I would speak perfect English. <laughs> if my grandparents w- would have been born in here, and then I started thinking, you know, where can, what, what else? But hey, i tell you what is great. I'm bilingual. And if it's true what they say, we'll speak Spanish in heaven, so. But I've been studying, but it's not a fact. It's not a fact. It's just a rumor of millions and millions. Why are we always desiring what God didn't give us? Why do I have to envy somebody else anointing and get desperate about it? Why do I have such terrible time working with what has been given to me? And then I need to borrow because I want what others have. And it's a very dark place. It is not about our dreams. I love the book by um, Rick Warren. Good old Rick. You know, remember the purpose driven life? Y'all remember that? It's a good book. Don't look at me like it's a Baptist guy, so what? It's okay. (laughs) But here is how it starts. This is how the book starts. It is not about you. But he sold more than all the young the other Pentecostal writers put together. (laughs) Just a hard truth. It is not about you. And that's the thing that I've seen in the church today and that I'm praying about. Lord, it's there in Scripture. It's there. You gave me what you gave me. It's not about my dreams. It's about what the Lord wants me to do. Somebody gave me two, two um, motivational plaques, you know kind of frames, very beautiful, like the ones, Pastor, I want you to have this in your office. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And then I, you know, after I don't know how many papers and beautiful wrappings, I got to the final, finally to the gift. And so, one, it was passion is a force that is uncontainable. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll put this somewhere. The other one is the famous qu- quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. Roosevelt follow your dreams and I called the sister back and said "Uh, I have a problem with your gift what happened Uh, no 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 it didn't break I didn't drop it on the floor or anything I appreciate your gift so much but I cannot accept this one I take the passion one but this one I cannot accept it in all good conscience why because I'm not here to follow my dreams my dreams are deceitful are limited are human, mistaken, not accurate. Some of them are pretty good. Most of them are good for nothing. I'm here to follow the dreams that a guy named Joseph had. That was the first sermon I heard Brother Gorman preach. Boy, he preached in three parts over at Christian family worship. Still have the notes on the life of Joseph. Let me tell you something. It's his kingdom, his mission. It's his resources. And he knows what you can handle and what I can handle. He's the God of the impossible, yes. He's the God of an abundant life and abundant resources. I believe that. He's the God of the unlimited, of course. But have you ever thought, has it ever occurred to you all that he's the God of limits and boundaries? And healthy borders. He placed limits to the oceans. I just can't get over that. The oceans. Mighty. They roar. They sink to the bottom of the seas. Even the most impressive ship. However. You go to the beach. And just flat sends tubs. The mighty giant. Have you thought about that? Impressive waves that sunk Hank's boat and I in Miami. <laughs> and we pray desperately in a very manly fashion. <laughs> Big old waves that the little sand of the shore says, Who are you? Would you please roll back your fury? Because the bus stab- stops right here. Well, but don't you see the tsunami? Well, you want to talk about the rule or the exception? Do we want to get deeper into God is roaring and God is causing that disaster or that storm? The fact remains that the mighty oceans of the world are contained. no, by the gray dams and doors that not even New Orleans were able to keep up at one point when Katrina hit. But the oceans are limited by simple sand on the shores because God did it that way. He placed the limits. I believe that God has already given us the mission as well as the resources we need for the mission. Perhaps some will say, yes, preacher, but you don't understand. I need five talents because I... I cannot do what I have to do. The vision that I have is greater, and I cannot do it with two talents. I will do I, I solved that in counseling very easily. I opened matthew twenty five and opened this metaphor, and i said i don't know who gave you your vision, but I know who gave the scriptures and here it says. That the Lord called his servants and gave resources. Brother, your resources are according to your vision. Your resources are according to what you have. Now, don't ask me why And this great thing called the commission and the preaching of the gospel. And this ocean, if we may use that analogy. Of the church and the mission and the kingdom of God. God placed divisions, ideas, education, and preachers, and emotions, and fire on a ship, on one boat. The money goes on a separate boat. <laughs> Always. Always. There's never division and the money together. As division and the money is on a separate. My son, is, it's, on, it's underway. But somehow, they cross paths, and there is a transferring. And there is a transaction, always a transaction, because God will never, never, never give you an assignment without the right amount of talent or resources that you need to make it. The problem is that we insist in praying to have the resources that was given to them. Because I cannot be happy with what the ones that was given to me. And I waste years trying to have what he has when I was, I could have been able to experience revival, presence, anointing, everything that God has with what he gave me. I never saw a false about the property the range of impact or the scope of the work that was entrusted to each one of the servants i only saw one lazy one that's a, that's that's what scripture said one that he was full of excuses was just a lazy bump. he didn't want to work he didn't want to work that's what scripture says now i could imagine he probably said oh why they gave him five and why the? but i don't need to imagine or speculate on nothing it says very clearly You know why I didn't do anything? Because I know who you are. You're a very strict man, and I don't want to deal with you. I just hit what you gave me. Here's what is yours. Peace between us. (laughs) Really. So as we conclude tonight, I could only pray and hope that I bring encouragement to all of you with my little story that I'm going to finish with little comment in this little story. Our church back home is a beautiful church. My dad started that church in his living room. I was pastor in L.A. and I had no plans to leave L.A. It's very expensive. It's very liberal. I don't like it. But California is, wow, what a beautiful state. For us that like outdoors, there's nothing like California. I was well there. The church was doing great. I was submerged in, in the things I love. And God, my family. We couldn't have children. My children were born in LA by miraculous intervention of the Lord. And what else can you ask for? had a house, I had a car, you know. What else do you need? We traveled to the East Coast, visited our family, went back. And back to it, you know, studies, the church, the wife, the kids, you know, 48 hours a day. And then, the Lord, you have to go back to the East Coast. My dad, you know, I'm a planter. I'm not a pastor. I've been doing this for years. We have 53, 32 adults. The rest are kids. Somebody else is going to get it. You need to get it. I feel you, demand. All that stuff. Well, when you move and you leave everything behind and then you start working in this new church, you fall in love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like it will be a disgrace if I have to go anywhere. <laughs> so I just started working and now I have my whole entire family in, in, in the city I live in. And so over the 15 years, God has been grateful graceful with us and I love my church and um, we've been growing and one of the greatest miracles of all is that we are grew uh, no, no, that's not it we didn't know the building that we were renting it was out for sale there was no sign and let me tell you this Very important disclaimer. The folks, the church in there, great people of God. Loved them. They didn't do nothing wrong. They just didn't put a sign out there to let me know that they were selling the building. But great people that helped us through the years and loved them dearly. So in 60 days, we have to exit the building. So for 19 months, we were not 53 anymore. Now we were 120. And so for 19 months, it was such an ordeal to find a place. And we, we worship by the school. And the church continued to grow on the second floor with no elevators. <laughs> and, and all the sound up, all the sound down, all the programming, the children, the Royal Rangers, and you name it. Still preaching the community, feeding the poor, doing the things of the mission. And miracle number one happens. When I go to return, we were planting a different church 35 minutes. Bessie, doing the the work, kingdom minded, mission oriented. So I go to 19 months when I thought they had new owners. I find out that my good friends and that other church we were planting had tables that, under, you know, under the table, the other side, have big old letters that belonged to the other church. I got a little upset, so I put the tables in my car and said, we can be whatever you want, call me whatever you want, but I don't steal. These tables are not ours. So I go back, I said, I'm going to tell the new owners of the building, look, this belongs to the previous church, but since you bought it, you know, it's yours. When I get there, I see the elders painting the buildings and this and that. They couldn't, it fell from escrow, they couldn't sell the building. And they said, Ellie, Ellie, we didn't say nothing, but we would love for you to buy this thing. I say, well, how much are you asking for? $2.5 million. Whoa, let's go to Matthew 25 and see what, how much the Lord gave me. <laughs> I'm telling you, he is the Lord. So we got into the building with $27,000 on an interest rate of 5.5. Five and a quarter. In 2016, we possessed that beautiful building that we love so much. That we have all grown, and I don't know what we're going to do about that thing. But that was miracle number one. Then a number of miracles have taken place following the greatest of all. First salvation, then all the other miracles. Restoration. We have a school, and so forth and so on. But two, three years ago, I said, guys, we need to keep planting churches. It's been a long time. We're planting in the Amazons. We're helping church plants all over the world. But we planted in Durham, but we haven't planted. So we sat down, you know, with the calendars and the computers. The elders of the church, we go for a fasting and praying retreat every year, first weekend of the year. And the Lord spoke to us, and we said, okay, we're going to put together a plan from here to 2027. Here's my little story. So we put together our plan, and we're going to open a bilingual campus in 2022. So we did. It's going well. It's averaging about 116 people, sometimes more. Then we put everything into planning, you know, hours of work. And then we've been working. Every Friday, the elders, this gentleman and some other – Guys, we meet for prayer at 5.30 in the morning. Naoon drives almost an hour, but I don't feel sorry for him. That's the way it is. That's what it takes. And so we pray for an hour, and then we go to Starbucks. And we only read books on character, on Christian characters. You know, put in order your inner world, Brother Gordon, and some others. And we've been doing this for years. So, we have all our little plans and we opened a bilingual campus, but there was one thing that couldn't happen. And it's that other campus, that other church I want to plant. And we went to the conferences and we did everything and we prayed and we fasted. Nothing. We tried buildings. We hire a company that will find a location. We will take out of the equity because we have never borrowed money against the church. So, we're sitting on a bunch of equity. And I said, we borrow that money. We buy cash a location. We hire the company. With uh, Nothing. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was trying to do ministry according to the conferences. According to the church planting strategies. Because my dad and my grandpa and the Lord... Will not open a door because I want it to look like this and be like that, and we need the other, and this thing to be in place. Team of these, the other team, blah blah, 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 blah. Never happened until one friend that ran out of a building, he lost his building, and we are hosting them. We host, since 16 to the day, we have host several churches. One from Ethiopia, and the others. You know what we call American meaning English speaking congregations that lost their, their their buildings and we host them. We don't charge them. Just come. We're friends. We're Amen. brothers. Amen. And so we are hosting now New Life Covenant Church and the pastor goes, have you ever thought about just renting a church? I, said, I don't want to do that. We're not going to grow. Back to the services at 2 o'clock. I don't want to feel like that anymore. No, we gotta we gotta own and build and we gotta do this and build and build. Okay, I'm just telling you, if you ever thought about it. Well, you know what? The Lord brought that comment over and over to my mind. And I said, forgive me. I went like the son earlier that was saying, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for my pride and my ego. I'm so sorry for all these books. Sorry about all this stuff. Lord. Okay. Church, all we need to do is preach the gospel. So if a church let us do it, and we do it at one or two o'clock, so be it. In only 30 days, my friends. The Lord has put together all teams that are necessary, all resources that are necessary. Because now a church opened up and I don't have to buy sound equipment, I don't have to buy a computer. I don't have to buy then we start things, we start finding things that, that were there. An Apple computer, so you wanna tell me that you have an apple computer hidden somewhere? Well, Pastor, we didn't know. My God, I kill you. <laughs> an iPad. Well, we didn't tell you it was lost, but now it's found. <laughs> it sounds biblical, but it was lost. <laughs> the Lord had brought back all the resources or all the teams, everybody is excited. Now is getting ordained tomorrow. going to be your campus pastor. And I tell you what, in just 30 days, everything is done. The lease is signed. And the 5th of November, our church is opening another congregation in the eastern part of our city. And I leave you with this. Guys, it's his mission. And it's his resources. I don't need to plan campuses like the others. It's not about campuses or satellite churches or ch- church growth. Name change over the years. It's not about titles and positions and if there, there were five full ministry or only four according to the Greek. It's about his kingdom, his mission, my willingness. What I have received from the Lord, serving with all of my strength, with what he has given me. And he will put everything together. The what factor is important. This is very important as we go home tonight. What I want you to walk out of here, in addition to all of this, how we can land this plane. The what factor is important. What is it that the Lord gave me to do? The when factor is important. When is the time for my mission and how long I should be doing that? The where factor, Lord, do you want me here or someplace else? I'm not going to be guided by no one but you. And, Lord, I'm going to depend on prayer, absolute trust on your scriptures. I'm going to depend on your presence. And I'm just going to know that the king is enough. The resources he has given you are enough. Prayer is enough to know what to do. And scriptures are enough. And if you believe that, you'll make me very happy. <laughs> Let's pray. such a great gathering, Lord, of your people, your church here tonight. Men and women from different places, cities. Many of them with responsibilities in the kingdom. Assignments. All of us deeply in love with you. You called us by name. Saved us and redeemed us and sanctified us, and you pour your spirit over the church. And today we're not alone. But God, I just here to pray, hopefully, the prayer from all of us. Would you please help me not to lose sight that you are my king? And that this is your mission and your church. Would you please help me, Lord? Don't allow me to lose the way. Would you please help me to think like you, love like you, to preach your gospel? Would you please help me and remember me, Lord? Remember us. Forgive us for the many times we acted like We were directing the church, owning the church, and basing our mission in our strategies, basing it on our resources and books and stuff. Lord, one more time, let us be one with you and complete your joy. Just one with you. Savior, King, Lord, Friend, Redeemer. The dictionaries of the world are not enough to define who are you. The many languages of the world cannot contain, express, write, say, think enough about you and who you are. And we need you. We need you. Lord, we pray together tonight. And we also want to say thank you. Thank you for the resources you've given us. Lord, am I better than the pastors in Indonesia? Who am I? That my children go to universities and I'm here on this building with carpet and comfortable chairs, air conditioning, and freedom. And my brothers in China have a totally different story. I don't know why you gave them only two, but they're doing a great job with those two. I can only think of my, my brothers in Gaza, what it looks like to be a minister of the gospel and Gaza tonight. And I'm still complaining about the two talents because I need three more to fulfill the vision. I'm wondering on my brothers in Pakistan tonight and Cuba and Venezuela and Mexico. Why should I complain driving 12 or 13 hours when my brothers from Mexico drive three days to be here? Why should I complain? Please forgive us. Let us go back to the root of the kingdom of God. It's like. And help us, dear God. Help me. I want to be faithful to your calling. True to your spirit. I want to be able to get to know you. On your own terms according to scriptures. Above any experience. Any tellings. Lord please. Please. Revive your church. And let us preach your gospel. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that it's your mission and your kingdom. And trusting with such joy. Over the resources you have given us. And that they will be multiplied if we work. They will be multiplied if we work. Thank you. Amen.